All right, so I've started the recording for Plus Expenses. Plus Expenses. Check my mute. Yeah, yeah, the mute. I mean, yeah, you're muted. I can see your lips moving. Unless you're doing like a reverse ventriloquism act. Ah, yes, that that famous act where you pretend (laughs) to be speaking but don't say anything. Yeah. Which (laughs) sounds a lot easier than ventriloquism. Yeah, it does. Ah. Uh, indeed. Indeed. Uh, so here we are, plus expenses. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I had, and you can let me know what you think. But this is our uh, final recording in this calendar year. 2021. You're listening to this in the future. Mm-hmm. We're coming to you from the past to tell you about something in our future. Right. Which is that the last episode that will be released this year in our main feed, we you know mentioned that it's going to be the last one of the year and wish everyone some happy holidays and all that stuff. But that was, in fact, recorded, you know. That was the previous one we recorded. That was the previous one we recorded. So now this is our last recording this year. Um, So it'll be our first recording released in 2022. Ah, Um, yeah. So obviously what we want to do is our predictions for... No. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Predictions of all the catastrophes that are going to happen between now and and, and February. because, yeah, again, still planning to take January off, so this will be dropping in, in, in February of 2022. You know, knock on wood, absent catastrophe. Um, but, uh, yeah, I thought maybe it might be nice to do a reflection plus expenses ah. and kind of sit back a little bit and be like, so, how how has how's the year been? Not... Again, not in the sense of catastrophe. I feel like we all have that in our, at least in my circles, have that in our brains and, and eyes and ears all the yeah, time. Yeah, we could, we could take that as red. Right. Everyone should know that, that that it was the year 2021. Yeah, and let's talk about the things that were interesting or exciting. Yeah, interesting, exciting. Uh, anything about the show, maybe, since mm-hmm. you know we're talking, since this is part of our greater show in its own way. Um, sneakily maybe this might be a good candidate to put on our public feed as oh, a, yeah. here's what we talk about for plus expenses teaser kind of thing so that's that was kind of my thought of uh yeah that sounds good reflection retrospective in terms of watching the rockford files and 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 generally other things watching things movies tv books comics games all the things that we seek to distract ourselves with yeah yeah. Anything? What? What? What comes to mind? How? How has your year been? I was I was thinking about how mushed together things uh, get now. Uh, what with streaming, like the fact that now I only experience movies via streaming. Mm-hmm. I can't actually tell you what movies I've seen this year. I mm-hmm. don't know which ones. I, I can. Uh, okay, let me think. I saw the Spine of Night, mm-hmm. which I think we talked about in a previous episode. To the extent of, I think you said you saw it and you liked it. It it, it does not sound like the kind of movie I would yeah, like. It's it's not a it's not one I'm recommending specifically for you, mm-hmm. Nathan, or for you, the audience who doesn't think, man, what I really want is more heavy metal, but better. <laughs> not heavy metal music, but heavy metal, the animated mm-hmm. uh, movie. Um, I shouldn't say it, but better. No, but it is better. It's better than heavy metal. Um, I enjoyed it. But it's also like very much a like horror. Yeah, it's it's a certain sorcery horror kind of thing. Like it's a um, the it's gory. It's right. Very, yeah. very gory. It's rotoscoped. 
Um, so to be clear, the the goriness is generally what disqualifies stuff for me, not the rotoscope. Yeah. I don't. I'm sure the rotoscope. Yeah, is yeah. Fine. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about that one is that I knew that that movie was coming for years, or rather, I hoped that that movie was coming for years. I saw the the people that made it did some stuff probably a decade ago, and it showed up on YouTube and came into my feed, uh, and I just you know like a little two three minute thing there's there's two of them um mongrel is one of them and then the other one is uh i can't remember the name of it but they they both feed into this this greater movie and uh i just remember seeing it thinking this is a project i'd like to see come to fruition um it's it's definitely my jam but uh i i also appreciate that my jam is not everyone's jam (laughs) (laughs) um yeah I'm trying. That was the first thing that popped into my head because I was just thinking about it recently. Mm-hmm. I, I was kind of exciting that that came came about when I didn't realize it was going to, and then suddenly it was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I also couldn't really tell you anything that I've watched in particular, mainly because, again, as previously documented on Plus Expenses, I mm-hmm. just haven't watched many movies. It, it's a whole combination. It's a, thing. It's a whole thing, <laughs> but it's a combination of kind of like attention span yeah available time uh available like desire (laughs) Mm -hmm. i don't know i feel like when i say i don't have much like spare time it's not that i'm always so busy it's not it's it's not that i have like every moment of my day accounted for that's not right but um i do have a you know a a household where we're all home all the time and a rapidly and by the time this has released a two-year-old yes who has been home all the time her entire life um there's something about sitting down and being like i'm now going to spend two hours which is way longer than a movie should be to watch any (laughs) (laughs) to watch any given movie um that just feels like such a heavy lift yeah um versus sitting down and just reading for 45 minutes and falling asleep or or something it's been so the majority of what i've watched this year has been the rockford files because we have the show (laughs) yes i will say that that i super appreciate the fact that i have an excuse to watch the rockford files Mm -hmm. at any i mean we make a joke of it a lot but like quite often at some point in the week i'm like you know what i have to watch the rockford files Mm -hmm. now and that is an obligation I enjoy. It's it's this it's the uh, it's the third edge of the double edged sword of making your your hobby a job. Like right, classically the, the the problem with making your hobby your job is then it's no longer a hobby; it's a job. And yes. so with all the things that that attends, which usually implies there's some kind of intrinsic joy that you get out of it that is kind of replaced by this by this by this need to keep it you know going in a certain way to survive to keep going (laughs) but this third edge is is that sometimes when your Mm -hmm. hobby is your job and you have to do it that means you have to engage in your hobby and that's good (laughs) (laughs) in in this particular instance if i just given myself the project of like rewatch the rockford files i would have just first of all i would have either just done it much Mm -hmm. faster because yeah, I would have watched more than two episodes a month or whatever. <laughs> um, uh, but also, yeah, at, so at whatever point I would have just stopped because, you know, yeah, that's what you do sometimes. So Rockford Files, it's good. It's still good. Turns out show yes. show good. Uh, this was the year of the prisoner for you, was it not? Yes. Well, 
It was the second year of The Prisoner, which would be a good title for something. It's the second year of The Prisoner for all of us, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I first started watching The Prisoner for the first time. I'd never seen it before. Before Simone was born. So that was actually, that was (laughs) pre-COVID. Yeah. For those who don't know. (laughs) <laughs> uh yeah my, my 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 daughter was born the first day of 2020 and mm-hmm. then that year that year is the covid year technically there's mm-hmm. there's a couple months there before we knew how bad it was but um but yeah so i get to date everything everything that's pre-simone is also pre-covid which is yeah. very convenient for me um so yeah so i watched most of it it's what like 17 episodes or something like that something like that yeah i watched the bulk of it over like before she was born and then i watched a couple episodes after she was born and then it got weird because the tone of that show was just incompatible with my right. mental state <laughs> like, <laughs> this, this is like too paranoid like i need to not have this be going on in my brain so then i watched the last couple three episodes maybe four i forget exactly how many i had left i watched the rest of it like a couple months ago i guess mm-hmm. um and uh yeah that uh that that, that show's good <laughs> That I do dig that show. I what made me think of it, I'm doing a Twitter thread where I'm just sharing TV theme songs that I enjoy, mm-hmm. and uh, there's there's a couple things that go into that. One of which is that sometimes you enjoy a TV theme song not by its own virtue, but because it's associated with a show that you enjoy. Mm. But sometimes there's a TV theme song that just straight up by its own virtue uh, is worth. Yeah. enjoying it's, it's just a banger yeah it's just a bit uh my my go-to example for this is night rider the mm-hmm. night rider theme song is perfection <laughs> uh, i don't think i'll ever watch another night rider i might i might watch another <laughs> i'm who am i kidding i'll watch more night rider <laughs> But I don't seek it out, right? Like, it's not like, um, oh, that, I was just going to say, it's not like when I wanted to rewatch a bunch of The Greatest American Hero, and then I realized <laughs> that I got to get that song on my Twitter thread. Mm. Uh, but specifically, I put The Prisoner on uh, that, and because right now I say The Prisoner theme song is on that thread. Can mm. you can you hear The Prisoner theme oh, song yeah. in your mm-hmm. head? Yep, sure. Oh, you yeah. can? Okay, good. yeah. yeah. I wouldn't say it's like an instantly recognizable theme song. It's not in that echelon. It's not the rock profiles. It's not Doctor Who. It's not, um, I'm trying to think of other like super. The age. Simpsons. The Simpsons. Yeah. Um, but that thunder at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, when I hear that thunder, I'm like, oh, I'm in for a prisoner. Mm-hmm. I'm in <laughs> the drums. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's good. Well, and it, it has the benefit of, I mean, I guess the benefit, it's, it's funny now because of how TV themes and intros have changed so much. Yeah. But it, 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 it does the thing where the intro, the song is soundtracking the premise of the show, which is replayed to you each at the beginning of each yes. episode. Yes. Right? <laughs> um, so it's a little long. So it's like a yeah. full piece. And it definitely is, uh, you know, from a time where you were not planning to watch two or three episodes back to back. Right. Yeah, yeah. 
Though I will say my experience was first one, great, watch it all the way through. Second one, I'm kind of like, okay, so now I have to watch this whole intro. And maybe I'd like mm-hmm. go like, you know, get some water or like, you know, look at Twitter or something for a second. Yeah. But I'm, but it plays. I let it play. Yeah, yeah. And then if I was going to watch a third episode, which is a lot for me, <laughs> <laughs> then maybe I would skip through the, through the intro to get to the, um, to get to the real beginning of the episode. I am not a number. I am a free man. I do, I do mention in the thread that I have an appreciation, uh, specifically if it shows up in lyrics, but it's fine if it's spoken word. Uh, and it's, I think, particularly artful in The Prisoner. But when a, a theme song's job is to tell you the premise of the show you're about to watch, mm-hmm. right? There's something, uh, like The Prisoner, like you said, is a soundtrack for that. So you don't, there's no words. Yeah, but the premise is all visual. Yeah. But yeah, it's all, but um, like the previously mentioned Knight Rider one has got like the, this deep voice that goes, Michael Knight. Um, you know, I don't even remember how it goes, but yeah, it's, it's like, like a, it's like a, the A-Team one is the one that comes to mind. Yes. In 1972, a crack commando unit was sent to prison by a military court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security stockade to the Los Angeles underground. Today, still wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the A-Team. And so that's that's your voice. Oh, the um, six million dollar man, which I also have to get on that list. I haven't yet. Gentlemen, we can rebuild him. We have the technology. We have the capability to make the world's first bionic man. And then there's uh, Land of the Lost, where they're mm. singing it. <laughs> Marshall, Will, and Holly. On a routine expedition Met the greatest earthquake ever known High on the rapids They struck their tiny raft Plunged them down a thousand feet below To the land of a lost but uh, anyways, they, they, like they literally wrote a little folk tune mm-hmm. to describe this earthquake that sent them to a strange world that time forgot. Uh, because how else would you know? I mean, it's a it's a classic tradition. It's the uh, it's the the intro to you know Romeo and Juliet, right? Like it's mm-hmm. let let <laughs> let me come out and tell you what you're about to see. Your butt's going to be in this seat for a while, so you should know what you're getting yourself into. I've been, uh, Em and I have been watching, you know, we do the uh, weekends, we watch cartoons mm-hmm. with our breakfast because it's fun. It's a fun way to break up the week, uh, especially for me, uh, because then after I'm done with the cartoons, I go back to doing the thing I do right. on the weekdays. <laughs> like, there's no. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've been watching the 2012 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, which has. Another banger of a theme song, which I should put out there, but uh, references the older Teenage Mutant oh, Ninja Turtles it? theme song. Yeah, so that's like, yeah, that's the one that I that that I would know. Yeah, with the heroes in a half shell, Here's, yeah, turtle, turtle power. power. Yeah. Shell shock, 
It, like, it describes each one of the turtles. Just the very same salient points about each turtle's mm. personality. Uh, and I, I love it. I love that it does that. I mean, again, this is for kids. Right. But, like... Um, another good intro along those lines. Animaniacs. Yes! Come join the Warner Brothers And the Warner Sister Dot Just for fun we run around the Warner movie lot They lock us in the tower Whenever we get caught But we break loose and bend the moose And now you know the plot yeah, and the 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 whole reason why I did this Twitter thread or why I'm doing this Twitter thread is because I'm, we're currently for our lunch program again. If you're first time uh, um, plus expenses listeners, mm-hmm. uh, the lunch program is a show that you watch at lunch during the week because you want it to be entertained for a little bit, but you don't want it to tempt you to watch the next episode. To draw you away from your work day, right? right? Like if if like myself, you have to rely upon self discipline to do your work. <laughs> um, and so the show that we've been watching is this '80s show called Crossbow about William Tell that has this amazingly discordant theme song. <laughs> it's 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 wild. <laughs> Yeah, with synths and maybe they're killing a synthesizer while they're... I don't know. It's it's crossbow TV show, theme song, look it up. Intro. But in, it's funny, like the show itself, I could go on and on about. I could do a whole podcast about it. <laughs> um, it's a half hour long show that deals with like, I don't want to say complex plots, but has to get you from A to B right away. So they just, they just like, and then this happened, and then this happened. And, and I kind of really appreciate that the funny thing is is about halfway through the first season at some point they were like wait there's a public domain song about william tell we could use oh nice <laughs> it may even be yeah no i think it's like in the second half of the first season where there's like they have a triumphant moment and they're like should we do william tell's overture should we do the <laughs> uh <laughs> And they did, and uh, and every so often it kind of creeps into the theme of the the show every so often, but it, it's not their primary theme, and it's just really kind of an interesting choice to make, uh, mm. especially since, like I said, there's like an instantly recognizable. We all know the William Tell Overture, although we all associate it with uh, the Lone Ranger. <laughs> we should reclaim. It needs to be. It needs to be reclaimed for William yeah. Tell. I think. I think William Tell deserves it. Lone Ranger has had their time. I gotta tell you this this show about William Tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I really I'm curious about its production because it again they're half hour episodes. They're three seasons of like I want to say like 26 episodes or something like that because that's roughly what mm-hmm. seasons were kind of like back then. Um, it starts off each half hour was giving you like part of his journey toward from being like a reluctant hero towards being the hero uh, leader of a rebellion. And it had like a, a theme, a plot, um, a meta plot going arcing over these episodes. And then that drops away. And now we're in the third season and he's wandering the wastelands. <laughs> Every so often he encounters things in some episodes, magic is real and so other episodes it's not. And he's always 
rightly skeptical whenever it isn't. And like, he just comes across like bizarre things and solves the problem that these people are having in the wasteland. Like we had an episode where he starts off with um, seeing this feral child being hunted by a bunch of mercenaries. He helps mm-hmm. the feral child escape and then gets separated from the feral children clan that he discovers and runs into a leftover, like these two people that were left over from like a Roman outpost that didn't realize that the Roman Empire had fallen long <laughs> wow. before their lifetime. Uh-huh. Uh, and they were protecting some sort of treasure, including possibly a magic sword, which the mercenaries were looking for. And that this is the kind of thing. Right, right, right. right. And, and then eventually it all comes down to a big fight where the feral children come out of nowhere and help them. We've, it's never been explained why there are feral children, <laughs> what they have to do well, with anything. It is a wasteland. So. It is a wasteland, yeah. Uh, I think there was in one episode clearly saw that someone had something not actual dog tags but something akin to a dog tag Mm -hmm. that they were wearing Mm -hmm. which again like is this wasteland for the future like what's going on so anyways i love it i just absolutely (laughs) love it strong recommend strong recommend um I, because it was Magoon season. Um, oh, yeah. So, uh, again, as, as uh, Plus Expenses listeners may know, there, there was this up, uptick in Prisoner stuff because I announced on Twitter that mm-hmm. I had finally finished watching The Prisoner. And there was also, um, at, at that time, uh, there was a um, Prisoner-inspired game that um, someone was, was starting to do promo for. And it has since funded, and it, it, it looks it, it's uh, if you are interested in playing a a heavily narrative style game inspired by the prisoner, then uh, be seeing you. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, be seeing you is a game by uh, Tanya Flocker, um, and uh, funded on 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 the old Kickstarter um, previous to to this recording. So I think uh, they're hoping to have it out soon ish. It may be available by the time this drops, but um, it's a uh, rotating. Uh, role game where as you play like in one round you'll play the prisoner character and then in another round you'll play like the villagers and then in another round you'll play the oh that's control right yeah i dig that and has all kinds of like structural stuff that's very much the prisoner um the 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 promo for that was spinning up as i was like hey i finally finished watching the prisoner (laughs) and so those two streams kind of crossed as they do on Twitter and people started sending me prisoner stuff just randomly, yeah. like pictures yeah. of their, of their GURPS prisoner source book or, yeah, yeah. you know, screenshots <laughs> of, of Patrick McGowan. Um, so it was McGowan season. And so of course I decided to rewatch the Patrick McGowan episodes of Columbo because yeah. those are all time stone cold classics. So that was one of my more recent media <laughs> media journeys revisiting those, uh, which leads me to one of my absolute favorite little Columbo things, which is in the episode where uh, I don't remember any Columbo titles of episodes, but the the one where where Patrick McGoon is a is a spy. Mm. Um, it's from the last season of the seventies run, I think. I don't know if you've seen this one, but I don't um, think I have. Uh, he's a he's a CIA operative. And uh, uh, he uses some spy stuff to construct a situation where he can uh, where he can kill another spy and then, you know, mm-hmm. obscure the fact that he actually did it with all the spy stuff. And of course, that Columbo, of course, you know, figures it out. Right. But um, I know it's spoilers. <laughs> 
there are two things about this episode that that I love. One is that I didn't really like it the first time I saw it because it didn't really feel like a Columbo episode. But okay. then once I realized that it was also directed by Patrick McGowan, uh, I was yes. like, oh, this is a Patrick McGowan episode. Yes. <laughs> this is part of his oeuvre, not a part of the Columbo oeuvre. Yeah. Okay. Then it made a lot more sense and, and, and works for me a lot better. And uh, the second thing is that it has what I consider to be incontrovertible proof that Columbo does have a wife and is, in fact, married. Because oh. that is a discussion in the Columbo family yeah, yeah. about whether his wife's even real. But there's a moment, again, I don't know, I guess, skip, skip ahead a minute or so if you, if you don't want to be spoiled on an inconsequential plot element of uh, this episode. Columbo, spoiler alert. <laughs> um. <laughs> There, there, there's a, there's a scene not, not at the big reveal, but kind of towards the end. Columbo's invited to the killer's mansion because, of course, he has a mansion. Mm-hmm. They, they, they have a, uh, a conversation about all the things that are not about what Columbo is trying to find out, which is mm-hmm. you know, always good. But it, it is where it is, it is made manifest that they both know that he is a spy. Like until then, it's been a little bit of like who knows what about who kind of stuff. Right, right. And what happens is Patrick McGowan puts on a piece of music. He puts on a record and Columbo's like, oh, oh, I know this. This is my <laughs> wife's favorite. Forget what it, what it is. It's like a yeah. favorite, favorite piece of music. And, and, and McGowan goes, I know. And oh. Columbo says, you bugged my house or something like that. Or you've been listening <laughs> at my house. And he's like, aha, that's how I know. And it is. If if Columbo doesn't have a wife who listens to music, there's no way that this CIA spy right. would know that this is Columbo's wife's favorite piece of music. Incontrovertible proof. The ways you'd have to contort yourself to make that scene work if he didn't have a wife uh, violates Occam's razor at that point. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's my there's my contribution to the wife the wife discourse. <laughs> Columbo's wife discourse, to be specific. It made me think of something. I can't remember what this made me think of. Oh, the spy stuff made me think. I saw the new Bond film. Oh, how was it? Uh, it was good, actually. Uh, I um, legitimately didn't expect to enjoy it. Mm-hmm, sure. Uh, like, I, I enjoyed um, Casino Royale, and I enjoyed this one. So it <laughs> felt to me uh-huh. like, um, I, I mean, I, I enjoy Bond films. I'm not like, a, like oh, I, I really don't like Bond films. But like, the more recent ones have not been my cup of tea, if you will. The, the the Daniel Craig ones. Yeah. And this one felt like a really, really well done um Daniel Craig film looking at the older Bond films and and sort of like there were some double entendres, but then also the do all the stuff that has to do with his like his sort of sexism and, and things like that, instead of just commenting on it, mm. they just simply made him better. <laughs> they were just like, yeah, now he—they t- talk about consent, or you know, like like, like, they, like he actually has learned something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Unprecedented. That was the thing with the 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 nineties ones. The uh, uh, what's his name? The Pierce yeah, Brosnan ones. When Dame Judy Dench took over as M. yeah, and they were like, "Look how clever we are by just calling Bond a misogynist." Yeah, like, yeah, but he still right. is also. <laughs> and then this one, I just felt like. Uh, they were like, yeah, here are all like they had the double entendres. They had like, you know, obviously there were like young women in his life. He's getting up there. <laughs> um, and there's a, a lot of that. But 
they just they just they were like, okay, but here's the thing: he's not going to be this jerk anymore. Like mm-hmm. he just isn't. And and uh, uh, I thought that was well done. I don't think it's even like the uh, a point that they were trying to make or anything. I think they just that was just part of an update. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I haven't really looked deeply into it, so I don't know what was going on in the minds of the filmmakers at the time. Sure, sure. But uh, oh, I, I do know that the film got like some rewrites and things like that. So that may have fixed something anyways the point is it was long which you know i, I had the i had the quip on hand because mm. it was like over two hours two hours and like 15 16 17 minutes something like that and it's called no time to die mm-hmm. and clearly that leads to like oh there's plenty of time to die right right um but i i enjoyed it uh took a little break in the middle of it um mm. em and i are old we need to get up and walk <laughs> this is a, one of the fun things about uh, being able to watch movies from home is that you could do that. You could be like projectionist if you just stop for a moment. Yeah, I think every movie that I have watched in the last two years, I have paused and t- taken a break. Yeah. Like, it's just, yeah, I just can't. And that could be dangerous for some films. Like, my thing with horror films is I try not to do that mm, Sure, if yeah. I, with horror films because I have... I, I found that it just you you suck all the air out of it. Like you you you've had all this building tension, and then you pause, you go, and you make yourself a sandwich or whatever, and then you sit down, and you're like yeah, and then you're in the middle of the thing that the tension was building to, mm-hmm. when you've lost all of it. But that's not the case here. That wasn't the case here. I don't think it's the case with a lot of genres. I think a lot of genres are very open to that. I think horror is if not probably not unique, but like is specifically bad with that. Um, hmm. That's but, interesting. That's kind of like a. I feel like that might be a way in uh, if someone more conversant with horror films wanted to wanted to do some something with this idea, but a way into why there's such a devoted horror fan base, or why people seem, at least to me, it seems that horror movies have more people who are very into horror movies than right. most other kinds of movies. I wonder if it has to do something specifically with not just the horror but the movie part how like Mm -hmm. there's something about being a a genre that uses tension in this way means that making film is kind of like it's like film is uniquely well suited to creating that while like a spy thriller movie could also be a three episode series and you probably aren't really losing anything right in translation you can put commercial breaks in and it's fine. You don't have to like, I mean, you still build around them no matter what, but like, yeah, the thing in this household, uh, M is not into horror. Like I am. She'll enjoy it from time to time, but like, not, you know, uh, so when I want to watch a horror movie, I need to schedule it. (laughs) I need to, Mm -hmm. yeah. What it is, is, is exactly what I was just saying. I need to have a time where it's going to be dark Mm. so I can turn off all the lights (laughs) Uh, so that I have uninterrupted, like, if I know, I try to schedule it sometimes, like, if I know M's going to be out for some reason, and I'm like, oh, that's a good two-hour window in which Mm -hmm. I can watch a horror movie, then I need to know the horror movie I'm going to watch before that happens, because if I waste 30 minutes of that, and then M comes home and interrupts it before the end of it, Mm -hmm. I'm not angry or anything like that, it's just, that's it, the horror movie loses its steam. Mm -hmm. And this is, I'm talking about specifically a, a certain, I'm not talking about Critters 2. Right, right. right. Like, yeah. like there's a whole genre of horror movies that are, I don't even want to say that they're they're bad horror movies or anything like that, but they're they're their own kind of popcorn. They're, they're more suited to, like, a party atmosphere yeah. or, like, 
having people over or something. Yeah, exactly. Like I can to take a good example. I, like I could I could stop Army of Darkness at any point, mm. get up and get some popcorn, come back, and still continue to enjoy Army of Darkness. Right. That is still within the horror genre, uh, but it's not it's not working off of the things specifically that that I'm talking about. Right. Here. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, and, and it's definitely like, I'm almost as if I'm like, I have to be in the right mood. I have to like, things have to line up for optimal enjoyment of it, which involves me sometime in the middle of it going, why am I doing this? To myself? <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's an intrinsic quality of, of mine that makes it so that I'm not really into horror movies is that when I have that feeling of why am I doing this to myself? Yes. I stop because <laughs> yeah. I don't actually like it. Like, right. <laughs> like, yeah, that is something I, I, I learned about myself over the years that like, I'm not, there's no corner where I'm going to be like, oh no, I do like this feeling of, of unsettlement or dread or creeping mm-hmm. terror or, you know, whatever. Like, no, once I start having it, I just feel bad. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm not saying there's no horror films I, I like, like, you know. I don't know. It depends. Like I like schlocky stuff more, which again mm-hmm. is less serious and yeah, easier to walk, get up and walk away from stuff. That's more fantastic. That's like clearly like vampire stuff, like, you know, stuff that's kind of more, more from a place of, of like weird stuff is going to happen, but it's not really about like the tension. Let's, yeah. Let's really yeah. create like real serious, like tension and like really unsettle you and give you really disturbing imagery. Like I'm not, that's not really, I don't, I don't get anything out of that. <laughs> my my theory there is that uh, horror and wonder are mm. siblings, mm-hmm. and they're on the same. And like the more you push, it, no, wait, I might be getting this theory wrong because they're not. They're siblings, and so you get kind of the same response out of all of mm-hmm. them, right? And so you could do a lot of horror that has more of the wonder aspect of it, where you're like, "Ooh, that's interesting that vampires could do that." Like Guillermo del Toro stuff is kind yeah. of in this zone for me where yeah. like it's not all of it. It depends on the movie, but like his horror stuff is definitively horror, but it's also pretty wondrous. Yeah. I often like think about um, our desire to build out the the mythology of a horror film, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, mm-hmm. Some of them are just like, oh, this is just a serial killer going around killing people. We don't need to know much more than that. Um, sometimes that, that need to build it out leads to sequels that get like wackier and wackier where the first one is just like a very tight you know uh here's there's no need to know anything beyond what's what's happening here um Mm -hmm. and sometimes you got something like like uh, hellraiser where it's just like here are these these demons they're called cenobites and they have they follow some rules that we're giving you a glimpse of and then you just spend you could spend the rest of your life trying to figure (laughs) out what all the rules are and just um trying to solve that there in lamentation configuration. Um, yeah. And I think that that part leads into the wonder. I think that like uh, a lot of times um, you, you look at it and you're like, Ooh, what is happening here? What's, what's, what strange world is this? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, and I don't think that the two forces are in opposition. To each no, other. no, it's more They're of a this... Venn diagram kind of yeah. situation. Yeah. Maybe put humor in there too. Like yeah. there's your three circles. That... There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. That are kind of working on the same dynamic. Yeah, the whole like slapstick thing that kind of mm. shows up in her. And... Mm, like uh, alternating tension and surprise, right? Yeah. Those yeah. Are all 
important. Oh, here's here's a film theory corner on plus expenses. Yeah, yeah, we, that's our retrospective on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, this is indicative of plus expenses. That's true. This is kind of how. Yeah, this is how these things go. Well, I guess I would say maybe as a, a, a alternate or not alternative, but a a different direction of visual storytelling would be something like the Rockford Files. Yes. <laughs> Question for you, actually, coming out of mm-hmm. this thought, which is that for do you find for horror movies in this mode of the like kind of like I I give myself the block of time so I sit down and just watch the movie and get you know whatever right. the experience is supposed to be. Do you find that those movies also are have a specific place in kind of like how written they are in the sense of written that we talk about? Right, right. I think so. I mean, like. um no, that's a good question. So this is the idea. Again, we we talk about this all the time on, on on plus expenses and every so often on two hundred a day. But like the Rockford Files is a written show. Mm-hmm. You yeah. you watch it and you're like, someone wrote this. Like it's there's a capital W on, on yeah. On, <laughs> these on these choices were deliberate. They yeah, were... the choices were really deliberate. And a lot of the time when we are talking about an episode, what we end up spending a lot of time on is kind of like. So this quote, this this choice didn't seem as deliberate. Do we think it was a mistake? Do we think it was a production issue? Mm-hmm. Or is there some explanation that just didn't make it onto the screen? And it's it's a, a little unfair for us to say written when it is clearly the product of somebody writing, somebody acting, somebody directing, somebody <laughs> right, right, editing, right. you know, like, but it's our shorthand and we're sticking with it. <laughs> some shows really get along on the formula, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then um, some shows really get along on the star power, right. uh, et cetera, and some shows get along on how written they are. Mm-hmm. And thankfully <laughs> for the Rockford Files, we have a combination where it gets along on all of them. It's, yes, it's it's good on all <laughs> dimensions. Yeah, but I think a generally for us a well written thing will 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 give a will will give give a, a little more be a little more worth it than. Something that's just as well produced and acted, but is not written is is more kind of like generic or the the or it's only there as a vehicle for watching these people do a thing or you know that kind of thing there's an example um that I won't name uh <laughs> we try we try not to slam <laughs> stuff because that's not yeah. really what we're here to do, but uh there's a movie that's going to win a bunch of awards mm-hmm. okay that I've just seen recently that is well acted. Cinematography is great. Uh, I can't really comment on the editing because I don't really have those chops um, mm-hmm. or the directing. But uh, the I felt it was not written, <laughs> <laughs> and I can, like Emma, Emma and I both agree on this. And we've spent after we watched it, we spent like a whole week talking about why why that is. Uh, but what it brings up is this thing where um, that doesn't necessarily ruin things because i like earlier in this very podcast i was talking about how much i enjoy crossbow right and i'm going to tell you right now that crossbow uh there's certain things i do appreciate about the writing of crossbow but it's not capital w written like we like mm. we talked about or not every episode or you know like yeah, like, yeah. like there's some standouts so one of the things we were talking about is that we enjoyed all the actors in this movie and they couldn't save it for us mm-hmm. and so i was thinking to myself like who like they're good good actors like their names people like again i'm dancing <laughs> around it and i'm just trying not to say um it, it made me think of the actors that i know who 
can save underwritten things. Mm, mm-hmm. And it's not the same thing as being a good actor. Like that's, it's, mm. it's, it's a skill not entirely separate from, but like its own thing. Uh, names that come to my mind are um, like uh, Brian Blessed is one that just like, you put him on the screen. I'm like, hell yeah, I'll just watch him, whatever. Uh, there was one else that we just saw. Oh, um, Hans Gruber. What, what's his name? I swear my brain went Hans Gruber, the that guy from Blade Runner. I swear that's what my brain did. Yeah, yeah. I don't I, know why. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> uh, uh, yeah, Alan Alan Rickman. Yeah, like he's another one. There's a bunch of them that can really like. There's something about their style of acting or whatever that can can. Uh, Tim Tim Curry's kind of like that. Yeah, in like for a specific value of like make something really entertaining. I think a lot of these people, you know, they bat for the what, what's the phrase? They they swing for the fences. Swing for the fences, no matter what, and that's the thing. Like you can see them in things where other people aren't swinging for the fences, mm. and you're just like, yeah, <laughs> like I don't care what how bad this is. Swing for the fences, like let's get us there. Let's um um we and I think it follows some of my my snl theory my saturday night live theory that like why oftentimes if you have like a, a wrestler or a musician mm-hmm. they do better than actors as the guest host mm-hmm. because they well they're used to live performances right. but they're also used to like doing things yeah just like just like going for it and like yeah yeah and just like Oh, also, okay. like reading the audience and being yeah, exactly. and like being responsive, like being ready to respond to things. Yeah, I think swinging for the fences is definitely a quality that does it. But there are some that d- don't swing for the fences and still do it. Like they they still manage to. I don't I don't know how to qual- quantify any of this. This is just a burgeoning <laughs> idea in my head uh, that I'm just barfing into the mic at this point. Um, hey, that's that's a podcast. That is a podcast. <laughs> Two white men. With opinions, that's that's all you need. That's the gestation of a podcast. That's what yeah. hatches out of the egg. Oh, oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> well, uh, maybe to give us slightly more shape than we usually do mm-hmm. on our main show, we are going to cross the hundred episode threshold oh, sooner yeah. rather than later. Um, which means that we have. I mean, there's been a couple episodes that are Q and A's or or other non. Right episode episodes but uh certainly by the middle of this year we'll be at over 100 episodes of the rockford files of which there are only 122 does that sound right are we that close trying to see if the imdb page will just give me that number (laughs) 123 123 yeah i haven't i haven't done done the survey to see exactly where we're at but i think oh and plus the movies so that's a total of a hundred and uh 31 because i think there's eight movies eight movies okay all right i can do math yeah 131 if there's eight movies um and we've done some two-parters in two episodes and some two-parters in one episode and we're not sure how that 123 number is counted anyway right right exactly (laughs) um so you know we need to do a a more rigorous survey at some point um but yeah i mean well over the halfway point for sure and yeah you know approaching retirement approaching retirement (laughs) uh yeah in the episode we're about to do preview of coming attractions we're doing the third appearance of a particular guest star oh yeah the first episode that we did that had her in it we released in 2017 
<laughs> that was a decade ago. <laughs> yeah. So do we still like the Rockford Files? I mean, yeah, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> um, yeah, that's interesting. Like, I mean, we talk about this from time to time because we are, it's a measurable thing. Yeah. We, can, we have a progress bar. Oh, yeah, I should code up a little mm. progress bar for us. That'd be kind of nice. Yeah, our our episodes that come out, you know, around now are essentially our five year anniversary of the show. We started yeah. we started dropping episodes in right? Is that right? I think so, yeah. Or we've already crossed the five year anniversary. Because we started dropping episodes in I think December of twenty sixteen. Wow. Yep. Is that doing eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty one? Yep. What's what's the five year anniversary? Is it tin? Wood. <laughs> uh is it a bowl of chili? Uh, I know that we should start one. Um, yeah, it, <laughs> that was a joke, but is in fact the traditional five-year anniversary gift is wood. Oh well, there you go. <laughs> a symbol of strong roots and an enduring relationship. Mm-hmm. There we go. And carve you a cookie jar out of wood and keep <laughs> your 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 naturally vegan Oreos in it. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, it's it is interesting because uh, we've talked about this uh, a little bit. How we we don't have um, a path. Right. Like we didn't say we're going to do them in order. We didn't say we're going to do them in reverse order or anything like that. Uh, We just kind of pick and choose how uh, out of what's left each time. And uh, some of that that involved us saying, I really want to do this episode. This is a really good episode. Uh, And some of that is like occasionally we're not ready to handle. Although I think we kind of hit almost all of those. I think so. There's one, there's still one in the sixth season that I'm like, there's the two-parter right. with Lauren Bacall that I'm like, want to be ready to do that one. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple that blindsided us, like uh, that first Gandhi episode. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we did it in the order we did it. In. Yeah. It yeah. would have been hard to go to another Gandhi episode after the first Gandhi episode. Um, and if you just joining us and don't know what we're talking about, it's not that it's a bad episode. It's that it um, the character is particularly... Uh, despicable and then and and then is essentially rebooted in his yeah. next appearance because we all just love Hyde's a case so much and wanted to see him back on the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> like he's he's yeah, essentially rebooted and then um is a uh, a a wonderful character that you you want to see. And then and, and that's kind of hard once you already know that. Um anyways, uh but I think like we're down to the ones that we're, we're where we don't necessarily have strong opinions one way or the other on. Mm-hmm. Except for like we we want to end on on the on the first and la- on the pilot and finale as yeah. our like last two episodes. Yeah, so we know that. Yeah, so it's 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 kind of interesting hitting a point here where we're just almost just rolling the dice. Although mm-hmm. now we get to do this fun game where we're like, hey, there's this person like we're doing to, in this particular mm-hmm. episode. Uh, Jesse Wells has been in two other episodes. Let's close it out. Let's let's do the final Jesse Wells. Let's let's send them off. It's a wrap on Jesse it's Wells. It's a wrap. Episode. Yeah. And we're getting, and we, we're doing that with directors too. We've done that with a mm-hmm. couple. Um, we have one coming up, I think, uh, that we'll be able to finish in like two episodes. Uh, we did that with season two. We were just close. We'd done almost all the season two episodes anyway. So we just did all the season two episodes last yes. year. Um, so yeah, we're, we're at the point where we, where we get to see, yeah, where we get to get to make these little closures that are entirely an artifact of our non-planning. Yes. <laughs> Which is kind of satisfying, actually, in its own way. I was super excited when I realized that this was fifth season, uh, mm-hmm. this episode here. And 
for no reason, like except that I was like, oh, we've been dealing with the early seasons for a while. We've been doing a bunch of season one stuff, I think. Yeah. And I was, I was like, yeah, let's get into the, let's get into this later season. Uh, we do have an understanding of the characters of each, uh, the the tenor of each season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that we're developing, but it's also kind of hard because again, we're doing it out of order. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, I, yeah, it's it's been kind of fun. It keeps. I, I do feel like it. It keeps it kind of fresh because going from a se- season one to season five in particular, especially with the mm-hmm. same actor, I yeah. feel like there's like a real definitive. Like it's not that the show is different because it's not, and in a lot of ways, it feels more plot wise. It feels more like an early season episode. Yeah. Than most season four, season five episodes, but there's something about it. I think a lot of it is the aesthetic. Like mm-hmm. this one is four years or five years later chronologically than the last episode we did chronologically yeah and i feel like the 1974 just visual world and the 1979 visual world are actually fairly different Mm -hmm. um and it gives a really it it really does feel like a oh we've really really skipped some stuff uh kind of feeling Uh, and there's fun stuff with um rocky and dennis are in this one these are characters that are at this point these these are actors who with their characters at this point just know what they are there's the writers everybody is just like yeah like there's a comfortableness with the show that you can feel instead of having to do like little introductions or like little banter to establish a relationship or anything we can just kind of get right to like yeah we just know how these people act together i I don't even know if this is like a tangible transition but you like i find this with role-playing games or when i'm writing there's a spot in the beginning where you're literally defining the character mm-hmm. as you're doing whatever creative activity you're doing. And then there's like a tipping point or whatever, where suddenly it's like, Oh no, the, we know what the characters go. The characters a real thing that is now telling us what they're going to do in these situations. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, like uh, in early episodes, you know, we have to decide what Rocky's relationship with Jim is. And in later episodes, we know what Rocky's relationship right, with Jim right. is. We yeah. know how we just, um, we just see it evident. Yeah. 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 yeah like that's it, it. You can kind of feel that experience or that change. Uh, yeah. Maybe I'm having Maybe I'm reading too much in things. It's possible. I've done that. Just as anyone who's listened to our show for five years will know that Epi will will start second-guessing himself by the end of his (laughs) sentence. We don't have to introduce that. We Mm -hmm. just know it's going to happen. It's just going to happen. It's just going to happen. It's going to happen. Yeah. Well, I think that perhaps is a good time to uh, go ahead and move into said episode. Yeah. Talk about the actual thing that we're here to talk about. But yeah. Uh, speaking strictly from the perspective of doing this podcast with you, it's been a good year. <laughs> yeah. I'm not in a position to compare, like, say what, you know, what our best episodes have been or anything, but like, I feel like we've done some this year that I really, that I really walked away from being like, yeah, that was really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was a fun one. We're hitting a certain, certain stride ourselves. Only two thirds of the way through. So yeah, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> there was a, uh, a recent comment on our website because people can leave comments on our website. Um, mm. And so shout out to this person whenever they get here, uh, if <laughs> they do, which is that they left a comment on one of our like second or third episodes or something from recently, from a couple months ago in 2020 saying, I recently discovered the podcast really love the Rockford files. 
been enjoying the show. I don't really know much about the game stuff, but I like what you have to say, you know, about the, the episodes. I'm listening to these all in order on my commute, <laughs> you know, looking forward to it. And I'm like, first of all, if you left that comment in 2020, whenever you got yeah. here, thank you. I hope you've enjoyed the ride. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, we, after about 20 episodes or, or so, we did stop breaking out themes from the show to talk about as use for games and game design because yeah. that was our original premise but then we got to the point where we're like yeah we've covered all the high points and uh yeah don't really have anything new to say about like creating memorable characters or like narrative continuity through through character or how mysteries work like <laughs> right yeah there's only so much that we could have drawn out of that but also i think it's uh, important to um note that in the beginning if we were go- if you and i were going to have an audience it was going to come from our games. Right, right, yeah. And I feel like our audience now, I, I, there's enough Rockford File fans out there who mm-hmm. are listening to us who are just into the Rockford Files. And and specifically in a way where we get really great feedback because a lot of it is people who are fans of Rockford Files from watching it, you know, as kids or, yeah, you know, yeah. and they're, when it was originally on. Uh, this is just to say that... I am significantly younger than most of our audience, I think. <laughs> and I'm coming to it as a, as a, uh, as we say, an elder millennial um, mm-hmm. looking back at this show. So we get a lot of good correct. And you're, you know, you're, you're in the middle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I am. I am. So we, but we get a lot of really good feedback from people who either have something to correct us on because we make an assumption about the world at the time that wasn't correct or, and also just people being like, hey, I really like this show. And it's nice to hear that other people really like the show. I, I had a moment. I had the, the age moment thing mm-hmm. where I was like, am I going to be 50 while we're doing this? Because so my, as we're recording this, we are like six days away from my birthday or something That's true. like that. Yes. Ha- happy impending Epimus. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Or happy past Epimus by the time yes. everyone's hearing this. Uh, uh, I will turn... 48 is mm-hmm. what, what I'll be. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, the math where you take the current year and you mm-hmm. subtract the year of your birth and that's your age. That's only legit for me in the last week of the year. Mm-hmm. So I always have to like do it and then add one. Right. right um, right, yeah. but I, I, I think we have two years left of episodes. It, it, it scared me because I had this like, Oh wait, we, we were just saying we only have 31 episodes left, but we still have a little bit Plus, more than that. We, we have a little bit more than that. And also we don't always do two we, a month. We don't always do two a month. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. well, we'll see. So you're all right. So you are turning by the time this is out, you will be 48. So basically two years from now, <laughs> uh, in, uh-huh. uh, 2023, will we be recording? Will we have recorded our final episodes before then, or will we be right? Well, I mean, I don't know about that, but I, let's see, how old am I? Yeah. See, is that easy? Huh? I don't think we've ever done this math. Are you, you're 10 years older than me. Yeah. Apparently. Yes. <laughs> well, ha- nine and a half. Yeah. I turn 38 this oh, next June. This summer. Yeah. Yeah. In the summer. So. Depending on the timing, we might be able to wrap this up after you turn 50, but before I turn 40. How about that? <laughs> That's a goal. It's a goal. Uh, the question is, Is will, we re- will there be, I'm going to look behind the curtains here, will there be one, two, or three more 
20 a day episodes mm-hmm. that's the question. that's the real question mm-hmm. well we i think there's only so many that are qualified for that yeah so hopefully like hopefully we'll get those we'll get done before we run out of stuff to do with and, that. and if you don't know what we're talking about with 20 a day uh stay tuned in april yeah <laughs> or just look at some previous aprils that we did i mean if you must if you mm-hmm. must all right well as those who listen to the show know, once I attempt a segue, that means that we're going to talk about stuff for a little while longer before we <laughs> actually before we actually finish our plus expenses episode. But now I think it is yeah. time to uh, move on. But uh, thanks, uh, thanks everyone yet again, yet again. Oh, I don't know. I'm trying to think what I'm trying to say here. We we do plus expenses mainly for us. Yeah, but it's also fun to know that it goes out to other people, and you get to hear a little more of our non rockford specific you know even if people don't listen to it and it gives us a context in which to have our little conversations right right so it's worth it everyone who does listen to plus expenses which is generally available on our patreon feeds um thank you and if you don't that's you know fine i get it but uh this is the kind of stuff you're missing (laughs) (laughs) i wouldn't be sad if more people heard it that's That's true yeah agreed All right, let's talk about the Rockford Files.